SoCal Summer Swing Out. I am your host, Andre Rakutimalala, and I have a very special guest today. My friend, the lovely, the very, very clean dancer, Cameron Brooke. What's up, buddy? Well, I mean, I was having an okay day, and then you introduced <laughs> me like that, and now it's a good day. Thanks, Andre. You, I mean, like, not... how do you do it? <laughs> I'm not lying, dude. I mean, from when we'll we'll get into this but like from when you started to like when I watch you now I remember one time you we were dancing I think it was at Uptown everyone had their masks on right so I didn't know who you were and I was like dude that guy's fucking clean and then it turned out to be you I'm like oh of course of course <laughs> stop right. it oh stop <laughs> it all right so let's let's get into it let's talk about um who you are so why don't you give us a quick intro of uh, who Cameron Brook is, where you reside, and then we'll get into your dance journey. Okay, well, I am Cameron Brook. I'm kind of crazy sometimes. <laughs> That's like I probably what I should say first. Um, I mean, you'll probably learn about that later um, with how I run certain things. Um, I started dancing seven-ish, maybe eight years ago. Uh, mm -hmm. There's... The, the COVID thing is like a black box, so you can never remember. Um, I uh, have been organizing for, um, I don't know, because of COVID again, but basically I started helping the nonprofit in St. Louis four-ish years ago, maybe five, I don't know. Um, mm -hmm. Like I have to add, remove COVID. And then over right before COVID, they dissolved and then after COVID, I started SDL Swing. It was October of um, 2022, no, 2021. Um, and then I've been running SDL Swing since then, which has been nice. I was going to say, I said it's been nice, but um, it's organizing for Lindy Hop. So, <laughs> I mean, you take that as you will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm. A, we'll, we'll definitely chat about that. But for those who don't know, what does SDL Swing stand for? uh st louis swing dance i am from st louis which is a pretty cool city i like st louis i like st louis a lot i've been there i went to nevermore i think twice back in the day that's not how you found swing dancing though is it no but it's close so i was pretty much just playing video games looking for something to do with my life mm -hmm. I was younger mm -hmm. Um, and then I remember watching, it was the ULHS 2006 fast dancing video. It was, that was like when I was in high school. And I remember I was in my room and I was like embarrassed of dancing, right? Because it's like, I didn't really know what it was actually like. And I was mm -hmm. trying to do the steps that they did. And then I just gave up and I forgot <laughs> about it for like five years. And then I saw one of the ILHC videos. I think it was the 2013 Invitational. And mm -hmm. I was like, that looks really cool. I should do that. Um, and then I did a bunch of research on the different dance styles and who did them and what they were like. Yeah. Um, and then I was like, okay, I want to do Lindy Hop. Lindy Hop seems like the one that is the coolest or the coolest to me. Yeah. And I remember um, I tried to look up swing dancing and Lindy Hop on Google, and there was mm -hmm. just a Facebook page for Lindy Hop St. Louis. And I thought, this is sketch. This can't be what it actually is. There's no way that they're like, there's no website, just a Facebook page with like random stuff on it. Um, so I made a post on the swing dancing subreddit saying, Hey guys, I don't know where do I find this? Um, and they're like, Oh, Lindy's Hop St. Louis is the real deal. There's actually a dance this Sunday. You should come. And the person I had talked to was, um, I think. Dave Dienick, I'm not sure, but it was like the grand opening of a venue called the Bucat Club, which mm -hmm. Nevermore has had on Sundays before. Mm -hmm. And I remember I showed up and Christian and Jenny taught me like a 15 minute taster lesson huh. where I learned the six count basic. And then I continued to do the six count basic for like three hours. I stayed there for the whole dance. Mm -hmm. I was just like, just stepping back and forth, having a great time. <laughs> I talked to random people. Everybody was really nice. And then Christian invited me to um, a dance at Castle Loma the following day. And so I showed up there, talked to Christian, and then I started dancing like six nights a week for mm. the next 
year or so. Six nights a week. Yeah, Dang. St. Louis has a good amount of dancing. So that's that's really huge because being in SoCal, we have dancing like seven nights a week. I'm well, St. Louis also has like a a crazy music scene. Yeah, like a jazz yeah. scene. Um, from a live music perspective, St. Louis is just incredible. Uh, there's there's so many musicians that are world class here, and yeah. they play together super frequently. And they'll like there's different ensembles of these musicians. So mm -hmm. there's a band called the Gaslight Squares that plays more twenties trad jazz led by TJ. Mm -hmm. There's a band called Arcadia Dance Orchestra, I believe. Mm -hmm. There, it's also very twenties, but um, when they play, there's TJ will between songs talk a lot about the music that he's describing, and a lot of it is St. Louis music in particular, like music that was played in St. Louis initially, and he'll talk about the history, which is really cool. There's mm -hmm. um, Sweetie and the Toothaches, which is a jump blues band. Yeah, Emily. Yeah, Emily. Emily's awesome. They put She's so done. much, I'm sure I'll talk about them more later. They put a ton mm -hmm. of effort into it. Um, there's a new band, that Steel Swing Harmonists, which is a band that we are kind of put together with musicians that wanted to make more 30s and 40s music and sponsored. Mm -hmm. And part of it was for the Gateway Get Down. We're like, we're going to make a band for this event. <laughs> I mean, it goes beyond the event, but it's yeah. partly investing in St. Louis for more 30s and 40s music, mm. um, which St. Louis historically has more trad. And so yeah. people wanted that, including the musicians. They just needed an excuse to do so. So we're like, whatever, I'll pay you money to play. Heck yeah. I'll just pay you money to play. So you mentioned something there really quickly which was uh, the Gateway Get Down, right? So that is the event that has $10,000 in prizes, which we'll talk about here in a little bit, right? Because you're, you're heading all that up and you and I have talked at length about that. But before that, I want a quick rewind. So what year was it that you got that 15-minute taster lesson from Christian and Jenny? 2015, maybe 16? No, no way. Wait. What, what was the year of Laughlix? It was the... the 2015. Yeah, Laughlix was 2015? Yeah. Then I think it was either really late December or really early January of 2015. Or it was late December of 2014 or early January of 2015. I remember hmm. putting it in my calendar. But I can't remember the specific date. Um. Yeah, so that was... Eight that, years ago. Yeah, that's that's crazy to me because that was where we met. So for those listening, and shout out to the people in the Midwest and in Indiana, LaFlex was an event that happened at Purdue University in West Lafayette, Indiana. And it was a fun event. It was just an exchange. And uh, that was where you and I first met when and at that point you'd only dancing several months, right? Yeah, it was it was an interesting experience. Oh, the video on, dude. exists <laughs> no. still, but I remember I showed up and there were there were so many events in Indiana. All the colleges yeah. around there would just have an event, and yeah. so every, every, all the same people would kind of drive to each one. Mm -hmm. And sometimes St. Louis people that were crazy like me and would drive like four the six hours to these yeah. random small events. But I remember I got there and there was a competition. Uh, mix and match they needed more leads and they were like you should do it and I'm like I don't even know what I'm doing at all um but when I started I was like really focused on like actually being able to do things I was because I did so much research on like mm -hmm. people yeah. wanting to feel comfortable not like the, the arm leading ideas and all this stuff so I had someone tell me two things they said, if you want to get better at mechanics, just do swing outs and tuck turns a lot and also dance with the teachers a bunch. And so mm -hmm. then um, I proceeded to only do tuck turns and swing outs and only dance with the teachers, which I regret now, mm -hmm. I will say. Mm -hmm. It's like, uh -huh. I wouldn't recommend that to most, to really anybody. I would re I recommend to everyone to dance with the teachers, especially when you're new, but not mm -hmm. only the teachers, because it looks a little elitist. Anyway, so I came into Laughlix knowing swing outs and tuck turns. Um, and they said you should compete. And I'm like, whatever. Okay. 
And I remember there was a group of people that made finals in every single one of these Indiana college events. It was all mm -hmm. the same exact people. Um, and they all made finals in that event. Um, and then there was a whole bunch of people like me that had been dancing for like four months. Um, and I happened to have better mechanics than the rest of the four monthies. Um, <laughs> I only did swing outs and tuck turns. So mm. then they threw me in. So there was like you and Hillary and Dave, I think, and all like PJ. Um, yeah. All these people that had been dancing for a year and a half to two years that are just used to this. And then me. Um, and I was just like, I don't even know what's going on. I remember um, Hillary told me afterwards, she was like, who is this person? And I, <laughs> and I said, yo, so I still don't really know like the music and stuff yet. So like, can you make sure to tell me when I'm supposed to go out there? <laughs> and she was just like, her eyes were wide. She's like, what is happening right now? <laughs> Wait, okay, okay, okay. There was a, there was an event that required a video for an mm. audition. Yeah. And I did an audit a video and it was the first time I'd ever videoed myself dancing. Yeah. And I found 65 problems with my swing out. <laughs> I wrote down. I, I went Holy by cow. count and it was just like, it, sometimes people are like, you're too critical. But I'm like, the, I think it's fine to be critical as long as you don't let the criticism you give yourself hurt your own feelings. Like I can be happy mm -hmm. with a lot of parts of my dancing and unhappy with other parts. And that doesn't make me unhappy with my dancing in general. It doesn't make me sad. It just makes me want to improve as a person and gives me uh, ways to go about that because the creating goals that are based on actionable insights, I think is a lot more useful than being like, I'm going to uh, um, let's practice. Sometimes it's, I'll find that practice solo, even partnered, pra like if I'm practicing how I would dance with a partner solo, not just practicing solo jazz solo. Yeah. It can be more useful than practicing partner practice with a partner. Cause sometimes you hang out with somebody and then you're kind of dance for a little bit. And then you like talk too much cause you don't have a plan. Yeah. And yeah. yeah so competing is nice. It pushes your dancing forward. I feel like. Dude, a hundred, I, 150%. I I'm so on board with that. The, when the, when you talk about the critical thing, that, is i i have i know people like that the benefit is you all work really really hard and the fact that you have a plan right that's better than just saying oh i just need to get better and when you show up to practice with like an agenda that's what uh, me and my partners do is we come up with like okay we want to practice these things and then we spend that entire time working on that that really really helps if you're listening and wondering what's one of the one of the ways that you can improve your dancing as far as practicing goes i mean i I think that that's a no-brainer. And it also helps because you and I both work in tech, so we're very process-oriented. <laughs> that is true. Very true. <laughs> so, okay. Well, that, just watching those two videos back to back, like from when you started, which you made, I can see why you made finals. Like you're, you're pretty fucking clean, dude. And then even now you're even more clean. Like you're, for those who don't know, Cameron, Cameron's an amazing dancer. Like that video, I'm sure like. <laughs> I mean, I, I still like, I watched that video and I was like, the first, there's a section in the beginning that I'm like, I nailed everything and I really liked that. And then a lot of the stuff I did after I was like, eh, I don't like the decisions that I made. And I was like, I should be bouncing more. I should also be lower with more of a pike posture because I like that aesthetic more. I should yeah. rock step less because there's lots of cool things you can do instead of that. I just go through and I'm like, eh, this, 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 and that. But also I can look at it and say, I really liked these things that I did. It's fun. I, yeah. I'll, I'll remember watching a video because I remember for my first year dancing, I spent so much time watching videos. It was yeah. inspiring and cool. And well, every once in a while I'll be like, there was a video where this happened. It was cool. What was it called? What event was it? And I literally will be like, I don't know at all. <laughs> I'll go through like a search thing. I'll like, what are all the events that happened that I knew about? Mm. Just look them up, try to find them. I spend more actually, time searching for videos now than actually watching them. That's actually a perfect segue because obviously you and I have grown a lot since uh, those videos in terms of dancing as well as people. 
uh, to the point now where we like are traveling to a bunch of other events, right? Yeah. Um, dude, hanging out with you in January after uh, at the on uh, New Year's Eve at Lindy mm-hmm. Focus, dude, peak peak quality time moment, man. You're just making <laughs> me feel so good. This is you should you should market your podcast as like. Yeah, for 40 to 60 minutes, I'm just going to make you feel great about yourself. <laughs> I mean, I'm not lying, dude. It was really a good time. And that's where we were actually talking about this event that you were, that you started working on, right? Yeah. Yeah. So um, if you could give like a really like two second snapshot of what uh, Get Down is, let the people know. Let's go. Michael Gamble leading three different ensembles of musicians, the headliner being a 13-piece band, $10,000 in prizes, a total of 10 hours of music from Michael, and a total of 20 hours of music over the course of the five days we're doing this. Um, Castle Loma Ballroom, the same venue that Nevermore always used. Uh, Felipe, Christian, Natalia um Aaron and Ty and then um I might announce a few more teachers soon because uh when we talked about it in January I remember the plan was April yeah yeah and the event was actually smaller than the the plan itself there was we had one venue that we were we had a place for everybody to stay right next to it so everything all the classes all the events um, and the venue was okay. It's the venue we use for our, our weekly dances. It's got an okay floor, but we would have probably had to cap people at maybe like 160 people total. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, basically, that venue broke contract. And I had a backup venue, like multiple backup venues for these times. And the backup venue couldn't do it. Some mm-hmm. of the other ones could. And then we maybe could have made it work in April, but every single dance and class would have been at a different venue. And from the perspective of the musicians, like I'm talking to Michael about two hour sound checks, that would be horrible for having the musicians play. I mean, we're renting, like you rent a grand piano, you rent all this equipment, carrying that to every single different place is just a nightmare. The Mm -hmm. event would totally suffer as a result, there's so many things that go into organizing an event that aren't just, I have these people and they're going to be there, but architecting the entire schedule based around making sure that the staff members, the musicians and the artists and the teachers are all actually having a good time. Because if they're yeah. not, then their classes are for sure going to suffer and the music's going to suffer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, you mentioned that was one thing that really like fired me up when we were talking because you and I we message long like we message long our our messages are just back and forth talking about the event organization and stuff and something that really really got me interested in your event it was how you emphasized your care for the artists which is one of the reasons why you're you're one of one of the reasons why like your event is so special to me because ten thousand dollars in prizes, dude, like that's unheard of in the Lindy Hop scene. I'm pretty sure there's not an event that has that much prize money right now. Um, I mean, if you look at some of the events, I think Camp Hollywood is like seven thousand, but that's oh, over yeah. like mm-hmm. a bunch of competitions. So yeah. maybe the the top competitions have a, a total of maybe four hundred dollar pot or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I found something out the other day. Every week on Wednesday, there's a Super Smash Brothers tournament. Uh, that's online that has a $3,000 pot. I'm like, this is Super Smash Bros. Weekly, $3,000 pot. I like watching Lindy Hop way more than, I mean, Smash Bros. <laughs> is great and stuff, but mm-hmm. it, it's just sad to me. There are a lot of things in the Lindy Hop community that I saw as I was like, as I've been dancing that I find tragic. Mm-hmm. Uh, a huge part of that is how much difficulty the professional teachers have in just being a professional teacher. It's it takes so much effort and the amount of money that they make is a lot of times just not what they would even need to survive. So there's people that are international professionals that have like part time jobs that they have to get in the summer or now I feel like most people are just also software engineers or something. 
mm-hmm. they just have a full-time yeah. job and then they also do something else yeah and i know for a lot of other um athletic sports basically like you could i mean dancers are athletes um the way many of the professionals make their living is by winning competitions they Mm -hmm. and the competitions pay enough money for that to happen and from the beginning even when i'm organizing locally the idea is to do something new do something different and prove that it works and create Mm -hmm. a model for hey if you do these things then you will be able to do the same thing that we did assuming Mm -hmm. the like the resources are the same because this really cool idea is let's say we we do we do this with a ten thousand dollar pot and instructors and dancers that are really putting time in the art are able to make a good amount of money from it mm-hmm. other events go well that worked out for the gateway get down uh let's do the same thing let's increase our pot um and i mean it's kind of like market stuff like uh the idea is that we show as an example that this can be done mm-hmm. and other people follow and then the people that benefit are the instructors and the people that deserve more money for the amount of time and effort they're putting into their craft. Um, I have a, I, I tell all the people I'm working with this, I have this um, value. I don't negotiate with the artists. I just say yes. So mm-hmm. often I'll talk to a, a band leader, um, a dancer, and they'll be like, these are my rates, but also like, I get that it's hard right now, whatever. And I'm like, Nope, your rates are your rates. This is what we're paying. That's just how I tend. It's, I feel like if you are unable to purchase a thing, like to pay the artist, then it just shouldn't happen. And I know that there are times where I've, I found that I also had I was so hardcore in this when I started that when people offered to volunteer or to do anything just out of like they wanted to, I would straight up say no. I'd be like, I either pay you or you aren't allowed like to do it. And yeah. then I'd be like, well, in order for something to be allowed, I always am looking at the finances. I'm like I said, I'm trying to create a model. Like I put a lot of like personal like finances into this stuff to make sure it yeah. works, but yeah. I don't want um the requirement for running a big event to be that you're also a software engineer willing to throw a bunch of money at it mm-hmm. or the requirement for running a good swing dance scene to be that you're willing to throw a bunch of money at it i want mm-hmm. a model that says if you do these things you can at a minimum break even mm-hmm. um cuz then anybody can do it as long as they do all the things required in order to accomplish the same goals um yeah. and so now I, that actually like made people frustrated with me, which is right. Mm. If I'm just like, no, you're not allowed to do this. Cause I can't pay mm. you. But also uh, based on all this stuff, we won't make enough money. So just like, you just don't do that. Just come and enjoy yourself. Just enjoy <laughs> yourself, but don't help. Um, now I'll, I'll be like, if you really, really want to help, then I'll create it like a format around it. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm still um, pretty hardcore about the requirements that someone gives and i'm always upfront with that so mm-hmm. if someone let's say they're like i, I want to help out i want to do marketing and then i say okay these are the statistics we want this is the post schedule that i would like this is the you'll taking this is a shot list for videos this is all this and i would request that you're like you either say you're going to dedicate at least to this amount of time or you give me this amount of time in advance because if something, because I'm, I'm the default for SEL swing for any of these things, if anything Mm -hmm. is expected to happen and stops happening, I'm the one that always does it because I want the organization to succeed. So if I give someone permission to do something, even as a volunteer role and they just stop at some point and I never judge someone for stopping, especially for a volunteer role, like you have no obligation at any point to do it. But then yeah. it's like, I have to do it. And then I didn't plan for that work. And then suddenly I'm stressed and mm. all that jazz. Yeah. I mean, event organizing is super fucking hard, right? Um, you came to ABLX, right? ABLX? Uh, what was... Or maybe that was the year I stopped it. So uh, for those listening, I organized an event called ABLX, as well as another event called um, ASFX. <laughs> 
what I'm trying to say is like organizing an event, especially by yourself and with volunteers can be really, really hard. I was really, really lucky that the people that helped me organize were really great at helping with everything. I mean, Ironman, remember Lindsay Huffman, she was incredible. Um, Michelle also helped me manage everything financially. I would have not been successful without her. So like the concept of delegating, especially an event of your size, right? I'm sure that that would be super, super helpful. And I'm sure it'll make for a, a lot more of an enjoyable experience for everyone, especially you, because this is also your event. Like you, you want to make sure you enjoy it too. Like you get a couple dances in and stuff too. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, I mean, it's in, it's possible for someone to organize everything by themselves up until the beginning of the event. Mm. When the event begins, it is impossible for one person to handle every single thing. And if you do do everything by yourself, mm-hmm. that gets rough real quick, especially if your event's really big. There's just so many things to do. And I would say that the biggest aspect of this is communication, any sort of role that requires you to speak to people and talk to people um, grows exponentially in terms of time, like a volunteer coordinator. Every event generally has some sort of coordinator, coordinator either for housing or volunteering or both. And that takes a good amount of effort because it may not be like I just sit here and working for three or four hours at a time, but it is a lot of receiving messages, sending a message back, figuring things out like that. Mm. Um, Looking for sponsors, which is something I've delegated. Um, That's really important. And honestly, it's one of the interesting things about our event that we're messing around with because ideally the way to pay for a competition that has a large pot is to have some sort of organization sponsor the competition. Mm -hmm. Um, And that would make it to where assuming an event, any given event could promise X amount of views or X amount of whatever, um, then random organization would sponsor it. And for, for a lot of these companies that are willing to sponsor things like that, 5k is trivial. Mm. They'll, They'll throw it at it. Like, Big organizations just waste so much money. And I mean, I wouldn't say it's a waste. Um, there's also things that are dependent on whether you're LLC or a 501c3. Mm-hmm. When um, when someone donates money as a sponsorship to a 501c3, it's tax deductible. And it makes them feel better about themselves because mm-hmm. uh, 501c3s sound better. LLCs often have way simpler taxes, especially when you're working as an individual. Mm-hmm. Um, but if people are donating money to them, they're like, I mean, it's still technically a cost because if I were, if I were to take STL swings money and give 3000 of it to another organization, um, I would say it was a marketing cost because I'm paying for a sponsorship for marketing. So I guess it's yeah. still technically tax deductible, even if you are an LLC, but it depends on how they do their taxes. Um, yeah. But the ideal is eventually to have a way for, um, any given event can have a video of their competition that gets enough views that mm. a there are companies that are like, this is a thing that people watch. Let's make it the, I don't know, um, Fuego mix and match. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Which yeah, yeah, yeah. relieves a lot of stress because I would say financial stress is probably one of the biggest things. Like the amount of money that goes into these events is just kind of scary, Mm -hmm. Um, especially to anyone that hasn't worked with finances in like a big company. Yeah. Um, And there's an interesting thing. I know I've talked to you about this. There's tiers of event level. Yeah. um, That have pretty large gaps between the amount of money they cost. Yeah. Um, Because let's say I want to do, I don't know, a one or two day workshop. And yeah. I've got local instructors and maybe we say uh, there, there are tiers for how big your event's going to be. And it's based on like what's required in order to break even. Mm-hmm. So if I want to do a workshop that's mostly local or even slightly regional, then I can get maybe a pair of instructors that are somewhere in the region. Um, mm-hmm. Instructor minimums usually are 1500 or so um nowadays it's like a eight hours for 150 an hour 
-hmm. And then if they're regional, you pay for gas, depending on the instructor and their contract, they'll often ask for housing and food and um, housing can mean a hotel. That's usually what any given person would prefer is their own entire space. Um, usually only the largest events actually do that. And sometimes instructors or musicians are like, I don't care. Like, as long as it's nice, then it's fine. Yeah. Um, but you need a venue. And depending on your city, um, you can get like an okay venue. Usually it's like you're making sacrifices on your floor or the size mm. of the venue. Yeah. Um, but maybe let's say you spend for one or two nights a pretty cheap amount, like three or four K um, mm. altogether. And so you can have this regional workshop um, and then for maybe under $10,000. Like if you start thinking about audio and travel. And I mean, if you have teachers that live in your scene, and it could be even easier for cost even under, and especially like St. Louis has some really cheap venues. You you could do like a really quick day long workshop for under $3,000. We're doing one on Sunday, like mm -hmm. Nathan views in town and for Aaron's thesis. And I'm like, yo, you guys want to teach a mini workshop? He's like, yeah, sure. And I'm like, cool. And it's like under 3k and we're Aaron's finishing her thesis. So she's performing it tomorrow which is really cool. Christian's in it too. They have like an eight minute piece. It's going to be really awesome. But anyway, Nathan was in town to see it. And I was, I basically just said, I'll pay for the venue. And then all the proceeds for people's take costs, you guys can just pocket it because I mean, that's kind of a gift. Aaron's been pretty stressed with this. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a big deal and having to organize all of it is a lot. So yeah. nice thing to do. Yeah. And, also doing nice things for professional Lindy hoppers, I feel like has helped me a lot just in terms of being able to um, communicate to important people in the community. Mm -hmm. um, because if someone, if you, let's say I message some international instructor, they have no idea who I am mm -hmm. and they're probably not going to respond. Mm -hmm. Um they might ignore it or they might respond in like six months That's happened before. Mm -hmm. But if someone that that international instructor is really good friends with says, yo, Cameron's awesome and he's really cool and he's done these things and you mm -hmm. should talk to him. And then I message them, they'll respond right away and we can have a really good conversation. Yeah. Um, that is to say, I'm not doing nice things for instructors just to get some benefit. Right. I feel like right, right. I like the idea of supporting artists yeah which um, is it's, yeah which is why your entire event is centered around making sure to pay instructors like well and not like try to nickel and dime them as well as the band like you're doing you're not doing this out like oh i want to network or play the game you know like the game that some people play where they're only friends with some instructors or big name people in order to climb the ladder right you're doing it because you care about the music, you care about the instructors. Ultimately, you care about this dance and this scene, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't want... Do yeah, I want Lindy Hop to continue. And there is a lot less of the big events than there were like three or four years ago. And, mm -hmm. and when I say big events, I mean, I was talking about the tiers. There's regional. And what I was going to say is like after that $10,000 cap, you can't just be like, oh, um, we're going to have it be a little bit bigger than that and we'll spend 15000 Everything pretty much falls apart when you break that and you have to jump immediately to forty to 60000 because you want to make it larger regional or national. You got to get a um, much more, like, like a more established band, maybe not mm -hmm. local musicians, and you have to actually pay them. And yeah. maybe you need, to get, um, you need to have two days of workshops with maybe like two levels or something. So you get four pairs of instructors and then you could have just had your local teachers that nobody knows about and everybody in your scene basically has already had classes from teach but you decide to get like two like professional instructors too and then you go oh okay so i got uh maybe it's like you're going smaller maybe a six-piece band or something and we're paying for all their travel and i got four instructors and okay i need at least uh, not a hundred people 
now to break even at this ticket price. Mm-hmm. Well, the cheap ass venue that we would have got before um, isn't good enough anymore. It can't even meet that capacity. It'll suck. So you got to buy a bigger venue. And then you're like, okay, well, if people come to this and I want to make it even bigger in the future, I got to make sure they have a good time. So the venue's mm-hmm. got to have a nice floor. It's got to have space. Um, ideally, you have solid lighting and you have solid uh, a stage for them and all this stuff. I mean, some of that is like, you can, it's fine. You can fix the ambiance of places with certain techniques, but um, pretty much once you realize you need to get above a certain amount of people, you mm-hmm. then need to increase the value of your event so that the ticket price is actually worth it. And people aren't like, what is this? Yeah. You need to add things so that there are names stat- like associated with your event that mm-hmm. people know about. And especially if it's a first time event, because the first time event is all about trust. Right. The The fact is, is that in order for people to pay a ticket price equivalent to like Lindy Fest or whatever, um, they have to trust that the event's going to be good. And if you just do things that are smaller, they'll go like, oh, that's a that's just a regional event. So yeah. And St. Louis is interesting in that we're in the middle of the U.S., which is mm-hmm. cool. So mm-hmm. people in L.A. don't have to fly all the way to New York and vice versa but the closest scene to us is four hours away um that compare that to the scenes in indiana where there's an exchange really frequently an hour away or the tri-state area with like philly and baltimore and delaware and um dc and the interesting places where i hear about people driving an hour and a half to weekly dances and stuff like that which is really cool Um, (laughs) but they can do a regional event that's like easier because they'll grab people from their community that's driving away but if you have to convince people you need to buy a plane ticket in a hotel room to come to this you should be driving six or eight hours to come to this you need to add enough value to your event that it's worth it not just because we need this to be able to break even but because you want to give something good to the Lindy Hop community. Mm. And that includes um, one, musicians, um, instructors, because there's, in terms of the really large events in the US now, like events with over like a 60 to 60K budget, um, there's Lindy Focus, which I mean is like 200K plus. Yeah. Um, Lindy Fest, which is breaking like 100K most likely. Um, Lindy on the Rocks, I think, is uh, above, I'm pretty sure it's above 60K. Um, I don't know Uptown Swing House, but I would imagine it's like around the same area. Camp Hollywood, which I think is the biggest, probably like 250 plus. Mm. Um, our event, which is like around 70 now, kind of keeps going up, to be honest. It was 50, and then it was 60, and then it was 70. Um, and it's like, okay, well, it's life. And then um, in terms of Lindy Hop events, I can't think of that much more than that. Like, yeah. Or, yeah, maybe um, maybe DCLX. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I don't know how much, like, I, I don't know what deals they have with their business or whatever, but it's like, there aren't that many events that are putting this much money into it and it's hard to support some of the musicians and the instructors that need that level of support to continue mm-hmm. without that happening so if it only happens six times a year then instructors inevitably are going to need a different job like they won't be able to make enough money and right. i know instructors that basically they the decision they make is i'm going to travel every single weekend and i mean somebody will offer me this event and they'll be like okay my minimum is eight hours um you have to pay for like travel um um housing uh, i'd like a hotel the the one you always hear is i want a room with a door that closes with an actual bed which i think is hilarious because i'm just imagining instructors that walked in to this like college dorm room with like a car bed in the middle mm-hmm. of the living room or something but mm-hmm. yeah so the instructor goes to this event they're like we'd love to have you and they're like these are my minimums and they're like that's cool but what if we like 
paid you like 60 bucks and um but maybe like maybe more than that if we got more people that'd be cool i could maybe help you out and then like the travel thing is just a lot for us so like you'll have to figure that out and i mean i'm sure we got somebody's bunk bed for you and then the instructor's <laughs> like okay well like i can either make zero dollars or deal with this bullshit and then there are instructors that'll do that and I think that the instructors at the highest level have stopped. They're like, no, in order for me to put this much like into an event, yeah. I'm going to have these higher expectations. And so then if there aren't events that are putting enough money into these artists, then in, like the artists will have less ability to do it. And then the artists all get software engineering jobs and it's kind of like sad. So it's like, I would like Lindy Hop to be lucrative enough that it's not rare that somebody is spending 60 to 100,000 on an event it's like yeah the norm um because there's also aspects of culture and things that matter in regards to what we can speak about at events and what mm -hmm. we should be talking about and relaying to students that i think are very easy to ignore with a smaller event because if you're just worried about breaking even on having a teacher teach for four hours you're probably not going to have a panel you're probably not going to be able to do that much to invite um people from your community or who might not be able to afford it to come like there's all these things that if your event succeeds financially if your event is large enough you can do that all benefit the community but it does kind of all come back to the fact that you need to spend a bunch of money <laughs> um, that's that's where, where that's the start and then yeah, you just gotta be willing to spend a bunch of money. Yeah, dude, I was I was gonna say like finances. I remember in Indiana, all the events were super cheap. Now that I look at other events, like the major events, all the events in Indiana were super duper cheap. Of course, Purdue had like the school's backing, and so they they had they could make it affordable. But I'm I'm very much behind the idea that we want to make sure to respect the instructors, the artists, to pay them what they're worth, right? Because that's that's a kindness to them to show, hey, we wouldn't be able to do this dance without the music you provide or the years of experience you bring to teach all of us or the new people, you know? And that's something I very much respect about your event because your event's going to be so much fun. Like, I'm... I'm super looking forward to it. I mean, I'm. I mean, yeah, I I might be biased, but I think it's going to be pretty awesome. I mean, it's okay. The fact that you believe it's going to be awesome, I think, is great. Yeah, I was going to talk about like um, being an event organizer. I'm sure there are some difficulties, right? So if someone is listening to this podcast and they're thinking, "Oh, maybe I should organize a local or regional event in my state or city," um, what would you say are like? the toughest things that they need to expect so the initial risk is scary if you mm. don't in the same vein of like if you don't risk a bunch of money for an event it'll never like you won't be able to make it larger than regional it's yeah. kind of the same locally is that if you if you just start and you say i'm going to start in somebody's house and we're not going to charge a cover um and we're just going to have friends come over and do it then that is like really cool for you and your friends to have a swing scene but it won't scale they won't spread the dance because it is a random normal person isn't going to be like i'm going to go to this random person's house and join this like mm -hmm. um so the initial investment is harder because you have to probably get a year-long contract at a venue so what we did you need to make mm. sure that you have like some speaker equipment mm. um and investment in time as well like making sure you have a website that looks professional enough that you can charge enough money um and when you do those things, um, ideally, your scene will make money, which will allow you to then have more classes and teachers, maybe like purchase an additional day at the venue, um, which will then like gain more income that lets you hire live bands. Like in St. Louis, we pretty much lose money on every single live music event. It is mm -hmm. really hard to make money from a live music event locally, if yeah. you think about it. Because um, the you would just need a whole lot of people. Um, and we'll get like 60 to 150 people for events. Mm -hmm. But 
it's still, even at that level, it's hard to break even when you're looking at, because you need to get with that many people, like I said, you need to get a wedding venue, basically, a venue yeah. that normally would have a wedding. And those costs like two to three K, even at a smaller level. So mm. there's, so yeah, one is the initial risk that I would say that's scary and that's up front. And two um, is, I would say, um, the initial time. And I would say the fact that you have to just expect that there will be people that don't like you and are angry with how you're doing things, no matter which mm. way you do stuff, because also you're going to make mistakes. Like you're not going to have enough time to do everything right. That's yeah. like I, when I first started, I was like stressed all the time because I saw all these issues and I didn't have time to fix this one and that one. And then I would prioritize and I remember I was working on a steel swing like 30 or 40 hours a week in addition to a full-time job when it first started. Mm -hmm. And then, so I prioritized certain things because it's just, you don't have enough time. And then someone else would be like, hey, can you do this? And I'd be like, no. And then like be rude and stuff because I'm like freaking out. And I think that if I had just been more like, if I, there was a level of acceptance towards myself, Mm -hmm. um and understanding i would have given myself been more time and been like oh it's okay if this thing doesn't get done like yes you might like not finishing this thing in time or not having like more videos on your instagram or not doing this might be equivalent of saying we'll get 10 less beginners the next month but assuming you're getting enough people that you're breaking mm -hmm. even it's okay and assuming that you're seeing growth that um they're like that you are providing these opportunities for people in your scene mm -hmm. even if you're doing things wrong which you will like i do lots of things wrong there's lots of things missing from sdl swing there's lots of things that could be done better um those things will be done in the future those are things that i can work on and make better those are things that yeah. any organizer can do in their scene and their willingness to do so without getting completely burnt out which is easy when it seems like the only people that really understand are other organizers. Mm, Anybody that's mm. just a consumer of the scene, generally, they don't realize kind of what we have to go through. And mm. the most stressful thing is usually feedback, like, or not feedback. I'd say feedback that is given to you, but it's not told to you. It's told to other people. So you hear about it secondhand because somebody was basically just complaining about you. That's going to happen. Mm -hmm. That's like mm -hmm. people will be mad about something. And it's um, I mean, nobody likes it when they hear about people shit talking them. But in reality, yeah. we all care about dance and we go to dances and we have opinions. Everybody's going to have opinions. And mm -hmm. then if they refreshed by something, we talk to our friends about our frustrations. Yeah. So I try not to get too angry or judge too hard all these people or, I mean, there's not that many, but like, there are always people that are going to be frustrated in a bet. There's always right. a mistake that's going to be made. And I try to just look at it as like, well, I could do better. Like, how do mm -hmm. I make it to where that thing doesn't happen again? Instead of being like, ah, oh, screw that person. Like, mm -hmm. don't they get it? I'm putting all this work into it. And mm -hmm. I would say that when I started, my mentality wasn't as um, forgiving as that. Mm -hmm. And just be like, you realize mm -hmm. I spent 40 hours last week and you're telling me to do more? Like, just, just give me some slack. But now it's more like, oh, this might have been why that didn't happen. I realize that that was a mistake. Don't worry. I'm working on it. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, like, trying to, um, I, I don't know. I, I will, well, I, I do know. No matter what happens, there's probably, if you're an organizer, going to be people that just fucking hate you. Like mm. to put it bluntly, yeah. Someone mm. like other people are going to say they could do it better. Other people are going to be mad. That's just how it is. And mm. I think that what I've found is that if you're really trying to give to the community and if you're trying to make something successful, mm -hmm. focusing on people that aren't Lindy Hoppers yet will provide more success to your scene mm. because generally people that have been lindy hopping for a long time are less likely to spend money like mm. on local events they um there's always the thing everybody talks about this we don't dance with beginners enough um i almost everybody i talk to basically echoes the statement 
every organizer is like people need to dance with beginners more and then every most good dancers are like yeah i could do that more probably and some people are really really good at it it is mm. really important i'm not saying everybody's like that but it's a thing that commonly people are like yeah this should be happening more um and shoot kind of forgot where i was going with that but <laughs> um in, in essence um uh i guess to collect all this together if you're a new organizer first off you're gonna have to take some financial risk um second off you're probably not charging enough money um like have a belief in your teachers and your organization that it is worth money and charge people that and people will people will pay it for reference for SEL swing we charge um $25 per class and we have a four-week series and every class mm -hmm. comes with this two-hour social dance that comes right afterwards and um initially people told me that that was crazy that nobody would spend a hundred dollars a month for swing dancing and we have mm -hmm. um we have a membership where i said okay well if someone spends 120 a month recurring they get all our classes and we have five to six different series happening every month which yeah. makes it to be more like seven and a half dollars an hour yeah. um we, some members take advantage of that but um that's a good amount compared to a lot of other scenes 120 dollars yeah. a month is is crazy for, i mean i i know some scenes that have a membership that's like 120 per year um but without that we wouldn't be able to afford to pay the musicians in st louis there's so many musicians right. in st louis we want more like and i want even more live music and we basically fund it with the classes classes make money classes are great even for events um music is expensive and hard because the band's expensive and the ticket is like 20 bucks and you're paying them for three hours of work and for like in a local event maybe you're 20 maybe 25 10 or 15 is common too um so you need a whole bunch of people to pay for sometimes six to 13 people mm. for three hours plus of time for a given set that equals a good amount of money usually um depending on the like local rate um versus an instructor pair where um if you're paying like like locally if you're paying 50 dollars an hour for an instructors that's pretty good i would say for like local weekly events yeah um that's 400 dollars a month and if you charge a hundred dollars for a student then you need um eight students to break even on that class mm -hmm. it, it really is pretty dang easy to make money on a beginner class because everybody loves swing dancing that hasn't done it yet yeah so it takes it takes minimal amount of effort to teach um well depending on how much time you decide to put into it if i'm teaching a class that like i'm really trying to architect a plan i'll spend mm -hmm. hours throughout the week planning each class especially if yeah. i know the experience level of my students um but a newcomer class if i know who i'm teaching with and i've taught with them before then it's significantly easier from a planning perspective it's more about how you're reacting to the students in the class and how much energy you're providing so right. if i get a venue for one hour a week pretty cheap not that bad um especially if it's like a wednesday because these wedding venues aren't being used on wednesdays mm -hmm. so they're usually cheaper excuse me all right and then i just make a website that looks pretty okay and then i like charge 100 bucks for it and then i run like 1500 bucks in ads just say starting swing glass show up um then you can probably depending on how much you're paying your on um, the venue make like one to two thousand dollars of profit a month and just pocket it if you really wanted to it's it's i mean it takes some effort to put it up but you bring in your crappy bluetooth speaker um and like just go for it but that doesn't grow scene mm, that's the the mm -hmm. problem is just really you could you can i mean one to two thousand extra isn't like enough to make a living on it's like i mean you could consider it side income but what grows a scene is social dancing it's a social mm -hmm. dance yeah. and social dancing doesn't make money so you use classes to make enough money to have more social dances i mean it's it's if you hire a dj for like 50 bucks for two hours and charge a 10 dollar cover then you can make money off that um mm -hmm. in st louis that's harder because we have so much live music so like why would anyone pay for dj night 
um if they can go to live music for like free on another day yeah. um but there are other events where it's like they just don't have access to live music so djing is what you got yeah um and then you can make profit off of dance but it depends on the venue because if you're paying 500 a night on a wednesday that's like a good amount um and because yeah if your hour-long costs let's say you spend a hundred dollars an hour for the venue which is like reasonably cheap so that's 400 a month um but you want a two-hour dance after your cost just tripled um yeah. but during that dance um you're like every student now instead of paying 25 an hour if it's a 20 dollars cover even they're paying 10 an hour and so you need way more people I don't know. That's pretty much how it goes. Is that you, you teach beginner classes so that you can push people towards the dance because we care about it. Mm -hmm. And you teach intermediate plus level classes so that one, we're, we're moving forward the dance to give people that are investing more time into it, like more to learn. Um, those also tend to lose money, to be honest, like edit. <laughs> but the, I mean, Lineop loses a lot of money. Like yeah. but you can make it work. Um, yeah. That's, that's why I say like, make sure you charge enough money. That, that's basically right. like, it's, it, you say, what are my costs? How many people do I think will show up? And then you decide, you divide that and figure out how much money you should charge. Um, and then, well, I would add one to 2K on top of that and then divide it so that you can, because ideally you as an organizer will make money. Like, and then you can choose to immediately put that money back into the scene, like mm -hmm. buy better speakers, buy a camera, buy nicer lights, um, have another day at the venue and have a class. Like there's lots of things you can do, but um, if organizers aren't also succeeding in this way financially, then organizers will stop organizing, which lots of them have. Burnt out, like yeah. lots of events are changing hands. Lots of events aren't happening anymore because you basically spend six months to a year planning this and talking about it and getting people to come. And then you either like lose money or like make like a thousand dollars or something. And then you put that right back in the event next year. And then everybody's mad at you. And like half the people are unhappy and the other half are like, it's great. And you get this nice high of like, after the event, maybe people make some Facebook events and say you're good. But then you hear about these other people trashing you and then, so you're just stressed and unhappy. And you're like, I made no money. I did a bunch of work. People were mad at me. You know what? Fuck this. Um, so ideally, um, organizers, let's see, I guess that's the last thing from your question that you asked like 20 minutes ago. <laughs> um, organizers, try to pay yourself, like, or at least make enough money that and that you have extra that you can decide to grow the scene. Yeah. Um, because then it's it's no different than like, I don't know, buying a PS5. Like if you enjoy it and you want to spend $500 on a PS5, you go for it. But if you also enjoy dancing and so you spend $500 on like a better better speaker or something or a better mixer, or I mean, $500 isn't really enough, but $1,000, let's say 1,000. You spend 1,000 yeah. on like a six piece or a four, or four piece band um, so that you can have a music night, then like, you're spending money on your hobby that you enjoy. So, um, yeah. And then everyone else benefits too, because they get live music. Dude, there's so much that goes on behind the scenes for an event. And like you walking through that, I'm sure all the financial nerds are like, oh, dude, I, I never knew that about that event or all of that. But um, with about like uh, 10 minutes left to wrap up, let's actually talk about the events you're planning to go to. So I know you have a lot planned um where are you going for the rest of the year so um i know i'll be at camp hollywood i know i'm either going to be at yeah at camp jitterbug or ilhc and mm. i'm on the fence still to be honest um yeah. yeah i haven't i haven't decided that i'll be at uptown swing out which is mm -hmm. the week end before ilhc mm -hmm. um then i might from Uptown Swing Out, just fly over to your place, SoCal, hang out for a week or Camp Hollywood. Hell yeah. I'm trying um, to get you to come out so you can see what the local dance is like yeah. here. So, I, yeah, I can be like, oh, I could do a better job. <laughs> um, no, no, I'm, I'm giving you shit. But, um, and then 
either Lindy Focus or Snowball. I've never been to Europe, and but I know that um, Lindy Focus, I think, will be announcing something soon that um, I think, like, show a lot of growth in the organization and might, like, because I know there are a few people, a good few people that were frustrated with some of the things that happened um, last year. And I think that a lot of trust will be built in the organization in the next few months. Um, nice. From, like, organizer things. So, um, yeah, I guess, and DCLX, of course. I don't know why I keep forgetting about that one, but yeah. So it feels weird because, like, in the last few months, I've traveled, like, every two to three weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, but now it's, like, once a month. Oh, wait, and Lindy on the Rocks. Um, Got to get out to Denver. And this time, this I won't time. miss the comp because I'm on a mountain <laughs> hiking. I just make the default assumption that the prelims will be right before. Because <laughs> I that was, like, I hadn't competed before, really. Yeah. Like, yeah. I hadn't really died into competing. And at Uptown Swing Out, they had done the prelims during the band break. So I was like, it'll be like that. And I got a call yeah. from... It's like Johnny. And he's like, Where are you? I'm like, I'm on a mountain, bro. This is great. And he's like, So you're scratch? And I'm like, What do you mean? And he's like, <laughs> You're you're scratching right now. And I'm like, what is I like, what does that even mean? He's like, You aren't gonna be able to make it. And then I hear him yell, I think it was to Anthony. He's like, He's literally on a mountain. <laughs> and so we me and Marina were like, Oh, okay. Well, at least it's really pretty. yeah okay so lindy on the rocks i'm i'm sure i'll see you there as well um now speaking of other events though your your big event the gateway get down gateway get down yeah so where can people find more information about that event as well as about you oh um i would go to www.gatewaygetdown.com which Mm. should have all of the like usually the most updated information we're going to be opening registration and starting our marketing efforts largely starting on april 1st with a uh, i'm not going to say what we're going to post but i will say that a lot of my marketing is historically a little weird um, <laughs> and so we'll start with that there's i like the idea of doing something that's clearly sarcastic and crazy and then also doing something that's clearly very professional, like making sure that your your website looks good and is professional and your registration system works well and is professional. And then you like post a bio that says that Felipe is a necromancer and who's going to bring a new <laughs> meaning to the event. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so that's going to start then. Um, I don't know if you want to know more about me, you should just come up to me at one of those events and talk to me. Well, there you go then. Um, or send me a message on Facebook. Just be like, hey, you person. Hey, never talked you. to you before, but what's up? <laughs> and then um, if you want updates on the event as things happen, like the, the website will be updated as we do things. And we're announcing more teachers soon. Um, so the website's not going to like send you a message to say the website was updated. But we have a Facebook event and we have an Instagram that's just Gateway Get Down on both. Um, so you could follow or like both of those and then you'll see stuff as it happens. And we're going to post some funny stuff. (laughs) Um, ideally, even if you're not coming, you'll get at least a laugh out of some of our marketing. The last question that I ask each and every one of, uh, my guests is in one or two sentences, what's a message you want to leave for any swing dancer listening? You should dance with beginners more. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Okay. No There's nothing you can do that will benefit Lindy Hop um as Lindy Hop's growth um in terms of the amount of people joining it that's more effective than dancing with beginners and being actual friends with those people. They will come back because they remembered that dance with you because like that that good dancer danced with them once and they had an awesome time and they'll bring their friends too and suddenly you'll notice that your scene requires a lot less work because so many people just want to go that mm. they show up to your events yeah. um, and it, it's all it all starts with 
a group of people making sure that they dance and like act like i i don't like to say be welcoming to beginners because i think that that's it doesn't mean anything um uh like being welcoming is um loaded with lots of different things you could do because i could just say be welcoming smile just stand in a corner and smile like technically is more welcoming than standing in a corner and not smiling but yeah. yeah everyone should dance with beginners in their local scene more even if you just at the at the very beginning of the dance look at where ideally your dance there's an intro lesson that goes right into a social dance mm-hmm. look for the people there and just dance with two of them like i know a lot of people don't do it at all um and i understand that and i try not to judge people for it because we pay money to come to an event and enjoy it we want to enjoy mm-hmm. it in the way that we want to and sometimes dancing with beginners feels like work sometimes it's like my shoulder will be hurting from doing it depending on the type of dancer they're starting as mm-hmm. but even just two just one just dancing with like two beginners and smiling and maybe having a quick conversation with them will do more than most things you could do and whoever's organizing the event will notice and will be happy with you because they'll be like that's what we want people to do more strong message strong message well everyone uh this was com uh cameron brooke the organizer of the getaway gate down that's happening on october 18th to the 22nd in st louis missouri uh we will both be there so check out the website cameron buddy thank you so much for jumping on and uh just stick around when i end the recording but for everyone else thank you so much for tuning in and we will see you all on the next one don't forget to follow us on instagram and on youtube all right check you all later bye thank you so much for lending us your ears on the socal summer podcast you can follow us on instagram spotify and subscribe to us on youtube we're looking forward to putting out some great episodes for you And we'll see you on the next one. Bye.